Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. You might recall me saying to you recently that as I awaken each morning, one of my first delights is that I turn to Psalm 27. And I read the words, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now though I have read and enjoyed those words for so very long now, I confess to you that until recently, I have not allowed their true meaning to sink into my soul and to do the work that they are intended to do, especially regarding this word light. And how often that is the case, especially with me. That is the case with most of us. With good intentions, we open these scriptures and we read. But the focus of our mind is somewhere else. And though our eyes see the words, our mind and our spirit fail to grasp their true meaning and to allow them to do the work that they're intended to do. As I again read these words a few days ago, I also noted that there was a reference number next to the word light. That number referred me over to Psalm 18, verse 28. And there I read, You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. Listen. My God turns my darkness into light. My God turns my darkness into light. And isn't that exactly what we've been studying about here in these words of Ephesians 5? That all of the world is completely and continually immersed within a mysterious kind of darkness. A darkness that holds captive and controls everyone that lives within it. And strangely, those who live in that darkness seem completely unaware of its presence. They're blinded to its existence and to its corrupt nature. The darkness is all that they have known, that they have ever known. And because of that, darkness is simply their normal. But as we've been saying over these past few weeks, thanks be to God, He has provided us a way out of that darkness. And that way out has directly to do with this very special light of God that we've been reading about. The special light that Jesus Himself brings into our souls when we receive Him in salvation. And it's no mere coincidence that his salvation is spoken about right alongside his light here in Psalm 27. Those words again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. His light is so integral to the salvation that he brings to us. 
So very integral. And beginning with that very first moment of our salvation, His light then continues to work to continue to dispel that darkness within us and around us. Showing us a way out of that darkness and revealing things to us that we had never known before. And changing us. Changing us from within. I'd like to take a a few moments here and repeat at least a portion of the message that we had last week because it is so meaningful to our understanding about this special light that Christ brings to us. You recall in the book of Genesis, when God brought His special light into the world, He described His special light as being good. And His light truly was so very, very good. And we ask the question, why would God's special light be described in that way as being so very good? And we said that it's because, unlike the ordinary light that comes from the natural sun and allows a person to see the creation around them, God's true light has a far greater ability within it. God's true light enabled all of creation at that time, and especially Adam and Eve, to actually see everything as it really was. Not just the physical appearance of the created things. But His special true light enabled Adam and Eve to see the beauty of the holiness of God as it filled all those things of creation. And as I have pondered that thought, immediately comes to my mind that contrasting manner in which the unbelieving world, with its evolutionist views, considers God's creation. They seem to view things purely from a physical and lifeless analytical viewpoint, seeing only the scientific makeup of matter, the heavens and the earth, the trees of the field, the animal kingdoms, and on and on. And they seem to only see creation what we would call creation in its natural state of being and nothing more. And they see the existence of mankind, you and me, as simply just another stage of animal development and nothing more. And how pathetically small their analytical studies make this magnificent creation and the beauty of it out to be. Sadly, the only thing they accomplish with their fruitless studies is to analyze the precious life right out of everything that exists. While they would protest perhaps what I'm saying right now, it seems to me that from their viewpoint, a leaf that you would look at and see a beautiful artistic creation, they instead reduce that leaf to nothing more than its species, its genus, its family, its order, its phylum, and on and on until it's explained away and nothing is left but the leaf. Such small-mindedness belittles the true nature and the beauty of who God is and all the glory that He has put in to His creation. 
And I must tell you that their demeaning of such a magnificent work makes me angry for our God. Makes me angry on His behalf. He and His creation is so much, much more and so much, much better than all of the foolishness that they make it out to be. Those same people would not dare stand in the face of the art world and declare that a Rembrandt painted itself, created itself. And that Rembrandt, if he even existed at all, had little or nothing to do with that painting. They would not do that. But they'll do that with God. And they do it most every minute, and most every day, with most everything that we're able to view, especially in our public media. May I say that those people can be described as nothing less than just brilliant fools. Brilliant fools. And I refuse to accept their small-minded foolishness. I choose instead to see God and all of His creation through the light of His eyes and to see the beauty of His holiness in all that He has created. Listen to these words from Psalm 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's what I choose to do. Now listen, though you and I might not as yet with our infant faith be able to fully comprehend what we're actually seeing around us each day, Because of His light, though, flowing through us, we can now at least, we who know Christ, can now at least begin to have sight. The kind of sight that He desires for us to have. To see things in the way that He wants us to see them. We can now begin to see everyone and everything through the beauty of God's holiness. And to love and to appreciate them as He does. Everything that takes place in our ordinary day can now be filtered through the lenses of that same goodness that God first brought into the world of creation. Do you believe that? It can be, and it should be. You and I can now begin to see His will and His purposes and His special plans just as He described them in Jeremiah 29. He says, For I know the plans that I have for you, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And He will change you and me with His light so that we'll be able to see Him and see what He is doing through that same goodness that He first brought into this world. Because He brings it right back when you and I receive Christ. That's what this light is all about. May I give a personal testimony for myself. In those years that I lived in blindness, in that darkness, I cared very little for anyone or anything outside of myself. Mostly I cared only to the extent that other people and other opportunities could benefit me. Isn't that the way of the world? But in some miraculous way, when God began to shine His special light into my soul, changes began to take place. Changes. 
I know that's so because now my thoughts are unexplainably different than they used to be. I know those changes did not take place overnight. They've taken so many years to get to where I am today and they are still ongoing and they are nowhere near where I need to be. But I am different. And I can know that difference and I can see that difference. I find myself caring for people and responding to them in far different ways than I'd ever imagined before. And I have to tell you, I love my new thoughts. I enjoy those new thoughts. And the only explanation that can account for those kinds of changes taking place is this one here, the light of Christ that has come to live within our soul, within my soul. Listen to these words again. We read them last week from John 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and listen, and the life was the life of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Those words are in verse 4 of John 1. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now all through these scriptures, and especially here in the New Testament, we're told that the very presence of the Spirit of Christ actually does come to live within our being. Not outside of us, not just near us, not our co-pilot, but within us. He lives within us. And in John chapter 15, we read all about where he uses the word abides. He takes up a loving home within us. You and me. And with Christ so present within us, we cannot help but have his precious light filling all that we are, all that we think and all that we do, changing us, redefining every aspect of who we are. It's a favorite song that we've sung over the years. It says, to come into the presence of the living Lord is to be changed. We cannot come into His high and holy place and stay the same. You and I who have Christ truly are different now. We've been changed. Do you feel different? Do you act different? Certainly not as we should, not as you should, not as I should. But we really have been changed, and we really are different. And you and I need to be able to testify to that difference, to that change. And so I may I ask you to look into your own heart right now and consider what is the evidence within your life that those changes have taken place? Are you different? Are you different than you were? when you lived in darkness? Again, let me say of my own testimony, I said a moment ago, for myself, in those those years that I lived in the blindness of that darkness, I cared very little for anyone else except myself. But now I do think differently. And I find myself caring for people that I never cared about before. 
And again, the only explanation that can account for it is the light of Christ that is abiding within my soul and bringing these new thoughts and better thoughts, better behaviors. And listen, to the extent that I surrender my will to His will on a moment-by-moment basis, everything that I think and say and do really does come out differently. It comes out far better. And I'd like for you to take an assessment of your own time with the Lord, your own relationship with Him. I believe that you'll find that you are very, very different now. Very different. And I'd like to take our thoughts just a little bit further regarding God's precious light within us. I believe that He is talking about these special words that He spoke For instance, to Nicodemus, he said to him, in talking with him, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you note those words? Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that's a present day sight. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God that flows around you. Matthew 5, we read, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And there are just numerous other precious truths that say exactly the same thing, telling us that there is is this presence of God that is all around us, and there is the presence of His kingdom all around us every day. And we take part in it, whether we realize that we are taking part in it or not. We are. And with His precious light, our eyes can be opened and are opened to see God and to see His kingdom and to see so many uh, other things that we've never seen before. Now you may be thinking right now, I don't know that I see what He's speaking about. May I say to you that too often, neither do I. Neither do I, regrettably. But, listen, as I beseech the Lord to allow me to see Him and to see His providential hand at work in my daily life, He does exactly that. I named two or three things just yesterday, watching God at work in the details of my daily life. And folks, that is so very comforting when I stop long enough to realize that it is His hand at work. Not some coincidence. It is His hand at work. It is so very comforting and reassuring. I'd like to bring one other thought to our mind that I believe directly relates to what we're saying. A few days ago, I was asked if I believe that miracles still do take place in our world today? Or have miracles ceased as so many in our Christian community claim? My thoughts immediately went to these things that we're talking about here. The ever-present hand of God intervening and changing the natural things of daily life and making them different. Is that not the very definition of a miracle? Think about that for a moment. Is that not the very definition of the word miracle? 
a circumstance or an event that departs from the natural order of this world, a mysterious supernatural hand that is inserted into the natural sequence of life causing things to be different from their natural order? Or do we hold out for a miracle to be only at the level of those miracles that we read about here in Scripture, such as the ones that Jesus performed in raising the dead and giving sight to the blind or God parting those waters there in the wilderness. Now, yes, those were miracles and they were wonderful miracles. But listen, I am fully convinced that God's miracles actually do continue to take place every moment of every day. His intervening hand reaching in and changing us and changing the circumstances of our daily lives, bringing about His will and His purposes. And so as I pray each day, asking God to insert His big hand, His powerful and loving hand into my daily wish list to miraculously save the souls and change the lives of my beloved children and my grandchildren and on and on. I believe that His answers to my prayers is simply who He is and what He does on a daily basis. And yes, those are miracles. Those are miracles. Psalm 119, verse 173. Let your hand be my help, O God, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Yes, miracles do still take place. And there are big ones taking place all around us that we don't recognize. But most of them are those daily protections, those daily provisions, those daily changes that take place in your and my life. May I give us one last thought before we close. There's a saint of old, Brother Lawrence. Perhaps you've read about him lived in the 1600s. He wrote a book entitled The Practice of the Presence of God. The Practice of the Presence of God. And Brother Lawrence was noted for doing exactly that, for practicing the presence of God and for his intimacy with Christ. But let me say to you, you and I should also be noted in the same way. People ought to be able to look at you and me and see the changes that have taken place and say, they seem to be walking in the presence of the Lord. God truly is present, and He is abiding within each one of us who have Him as our Savior and Lord. And the light of His presence truly does change us. It cannot help but change us in ways that we could not imagine. And only asks of you and me, is that we surrender ourselves and let Him do it. Let Him make those changes in us. Let me close with those words that I gave us a moment ago from the song, Change Me, Lord. To come into the presence of the living Lord is to be changed. You cannot come into His high and holy place and stay the same. And then our response, So change me, Lord. Remake me, Lord. Conform me to the image of your Son.
Change me, Lord. Remake me, Lord. Till Father, Spirit, Jesus, we are one. Praise the Lord. Let's pray.